So how did we end up in the situation we in? Because wealthy white men, I'm going to keep saying this, wealthy white men set the system up the way it is. You know, lifetime appointments on the Supreme Court, crooked judges, um, crooked politicians like Mitch O'Connell, Lindsey Graham, um, Joe Manson, Sinema, um, 208 in the House of Representatives traders, um, 50 senators who are, no, 52 senators, I'm going to keep saying it, willing to overthrow our democracy. We're in, a, we're in a serious situation. Now, we talk about racism in this country. We try to ignore the system. Even corporate media is part of the problem. They don't see it for nothing. They go out and get someone like Trent Lott. For those who don't know who Trent Lott is, Trent Lott was a Republican strategist. I say white supremacist strategist because... When Barack Obama was being sworn in as the president of the United States in 08, him, Paul Ryan, and the rest of those traitors, they sat around and ate dinner and plotted how they can take our country down the road of white supremacy. So the eight years of Barack Obama's presidency, he had to fight white supremacists, the teabaggers, the Koch's money was funding all of that shit. They had think tanks. Our media, instead of focusing on what the Koch's was really doing, trying to make Obama look bad, they went along with the program. That tells you a lot about racism in America. So Trent lied him having this little summit about racism. They're not really talking about racism. They're talking about any, any and everything but racism. And it's sad to watch black folks don't even know what the fuck they're talking about because this generation of black, they never experienced hardcore, Jim Crow, redlining, green book, white supremacy lynching, birth of a nation hate. If, you know, the generations before them put up with that. For them to sit on TV in front of Trent Lott, who is a racist, on CBS, which doesn't have no fucking clue about racism. And let me let you listen to this shit. Then you get the point. The ones who can pass laws that take rights away or make it harder for people to vote, Thinking of ways not to pass laws to help the citizens of this country. Design a media platform to overlook all the evil, but just report on activities. Well, Joe Manson, he decided not to. Why you got it? Why can't you see what this man is? Well, they need cinema and they need 50 votes. Cinema and Joe Manson. Died. No, 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 no. If real journalism would say, well, Joe Manson is bought and paid for by the Koch brothers and cinema is too. They bought and paid for by the Republican businessmen who do not want Joe Biden to have a win, especially to come down to helping minorities. But you won't hear that on corporate media, just like you won't hear the truth about race. Because like I said, 
America is not ready to really accept that it's a racist country. Check this little conversation out that they had um, with Trent Lott, of all people. That these things exist is really important for us as a community. Nobody's denying that there's racism in America. There's divisions, there's divisiveness. I'm just saying again that we don't need to fuel that and inflame the passions. Oh, yeah. right. the 50s? Yes. That's it's so improved tremendously. Is it going to be perfect? No, it's okay. never going to be perfect. Here we go. Mm -hmm. We're going to answer that. We're going to answer that question. Do you think it's gotten worse? Do you think it's gotten worse? Why has it gotten worse? The racism in this country? Yes. Look at all the fights, the riots, people getting killed. I think unemployment has a lot to do with it also, because whether you're black or white, if you can't find a job, I mean, it's just going to lead to problems. We easily identify all our problems but we don't provide each other with the proper solutions to overcome them. We're, we're so quick to, to label, ah, oh, I got held down here or held down there, instead of, you know, putting our nose to the grindstone and saving money. We have to learn how to take responsibility of our own self. And don't, you can break the curse. You don't have to be what your mother was if she was a crackhead and your your father was a drunk. You can break the curse and become better and want better. And by extension, you gotta extend that to the Muslim community also yeah. and say the it's not about racism, it's about culture. It's about a culture where you speak up if you see something that is worrisome, that's suspicious. We're saying a large percentage of the Muslim population in New York City are African American people. And when Trump comes out and attacks an entire religion, it just inflames a problem that is already burning. burning. Instead of dousing it, you know what I mean? He's yes. throwing gasoline on it. People are saying black lives matter, but to me it seems like black lives matter only when they're killed by white cops. Exactly. As someone who grew up in Chicago, a lot of this is black on black crime. Now this is a black woman who is in denial of what's really going on around her. See how the system works? Now she brought up white nationalist talking points, black on black crime. She grew up in Chicago, not thinking that the South side of Chicago, black folks discriminated against when they came up from Mississippi and Alabama and trying to find a better way of life to get away from racism. And they ran right into it because Chicago was racist. But see, she don't talk about black and black crime because where's the opportunity in those communities? She doesn't see that. They think opportunity is out there. They just want to be criminals. But if you have a bad education system, a bad economic system, redlining all over the place, lack of opportunity, discrimination, you can't get out of the South Side. You know, black politicians, white politicians, they all the same. They're greedy. They overlook the suffering of the less fortunate because they don't care. Now, I feel sorry for her because she seemed like a smart woman, but just listening to that little segment, you find out that they don't even know what the fuck they talking about. None of them. None of them. And that's what gets me. You know, oh, yeah, I can work hard and, 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 and I can get out the ghetto or the other one. What about black on black crime? I mean, straight up white nationalist talking point. Overlooking why is there crime? You know, today on um, on Morning Joke, they was talking about crime. Yeah, um, there's some new young prosecutors coming in. They overlook all the white supremacy, racism in the system, 
to be part of the system, to try to change the system, which they're not going to change the system. They get swallowed up by the system because the system been written and it's an old monster. That metric is old. And you have to follow it rules in order to survive and to navigate it. Now, a lot of people out here on this I keep asking myself, how did we end up in this situation? And I started looking back through history and and, and researching and finding out that this shit never stopped. What I mean by that, ever since Reconstruction, rich white men don't want capitalism to stop. It's all about that dollar. Why you think Comcast would let something like Fox News, you know, why would you think they would carry something like Fox News? It's all about the money. Find out that corporate America doesn't care about democracy. It's a, they, they don't care about the rule of law. Think about it. Billionaires, right? Like the Cokes, the Mercers. Maybe George Soros is a guy that tried to do the right thing and they all hate him because he's trying to tell them what they're doing is wrong. But you know, when you give a bunch of selfish, wealthy white children money and they never worked for anything, everything was handed to them, they become very fucking arrogant. And it's not only white children, it's wealthy people, period. Look at Condoleezza Rice. Look at Clarence Thomas. Look at Tim Scott. Look at Candace Owens. Look at Diamond and Silk. And just, just to name a few blacks out there who done lost their mind. And speaking of who lost their mind was, um, I think, Herschel Walker's son. A little boy. Very gay. And I'm like, wow, dude. Not only you have two strikes, you have four strikes against you. You're black, you're mixed. Southern segregations think you're a mongrel. You're gay. You're very femboy. You're very gay. Okay, and you need someone a little bit more smarter, gay, sit you down and tell you you're behind the eight ball with the rest of us. You know how hard it is for people who are gay, transgender, just to fucking have rights in this country? And you're a lucky little rich, spoiled kid. Believe in a man that don't give a fuck about none of us. And you complain about gas prices when you're filling up a Land Rover? And you have a $1,300 sweatshirt on? And your nails are manicured? And you have lip gloss? You think conservative white segregationists will dig you? They will fuck you. Because they like fucking all of us. But letting you feel equal? (laughs) So that's Herschel Walker's son. And I'm like, wow. There's a lot of blacks out there who just don't get it. 
even Herschel Walker don't get it. I blame too many head injuries for him, but the rest of them? You willing to give your democracy, your country, your freedoms, your rights to autocrats? Four years of Donald Trump showed me everything I need to know about the Republican Party. And eight years of Barack Obama presidency let me know white America is still racist. And a bunch of fools out there don't want to accept the truth. So I'm listening to this shit, right? And I'm, I'm listening to Joy Reid. You know, by the way, happy birthday, Joy. And I caught a show, man, a while back. And I, but like this. Joy went the fuck off. I think if Joy wasn't on corporate television, she would really speak her mind. But she was holding it back professionally. She was holding it back. But see, here on the Cold Show with a comedian, I don't have the whole shit back. I don't have sponsors. So it goes without saying that for Trump's time in office, and with few exceptions, Fox News, and particularly a number of their on-air hosts, acted as his unofficial advisors, and time and again tried to play defense for the orange autocrat president. Case in point, their efforts to downplay January 6th as no big deal and full of perpetrators that were anything but Trump supporters. But now, the January 6th committee has shined a bright scathing light on their hypocrisy by sharing what these TV personalities were texting Trump's chief of staff as the Capitol was under attack. Now make up no surprise to learn that it did not quite match what they were saying to their audiences that very night. Listen to what Laura Ingraham texted. Quote, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. And yet, here is how she portrayed the Capitol siege mere hours later. Now, there were likely not all Trump supporters, and there are some reports that Antifa sympathizers may have been sprinkled throughout the crowd. I have never seen Trump rally attendees wearing helmets, black helmets, brown helmets, black backpacks, the uniforms that you saw in some of these crowd shots. They don't wear black. Brian Kilmeade made this plea. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Ah, but then the morning news anchor made a late night appearance on Fox to say this. I do not know Trump supporters that have ever demonstrated violence that I know of in a big situation. Uh-huh. And even Sean Hannity, the primetime host, whose former executive producer literally went into the White House as Trump's communications director for a time, felt the need to reach out to Meadows. Quote, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. But of course, on his show, he downplayed the actions of those very same Trump supporters. Like all Americans, we watched this small group of people that was pretty big, but compared to the overall crowd, um, it was not the majority of people. The vast majority in Washington, D.C. today were peaceful. No matter how they try to downplay or blame 
Antifa or, or the left or provocateurs or whatever. Their texts tell the truth. Only Donald Trump could call off the insurrectionists because they were his insurrectionists. He is the one who called on those gullible, thugged out MAGA fans to bring the fight to the Capitol that day to try to overthrow a legitimate election, period, with a T. Join me now, Ellie Mistal, Justice Correspondent for The Nation and New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg. And Ellie, I have to start with you because it really actually doesn't surprise me that what a lot of the folks on Fox are doing is acting, right? It, it, it's thespians. They're out there saying, we're with you, MAGA crowd. But behind the scenes, they were saying, oh my God, please make it stop. Your thoughts. Now, my thoughts before you listen to his thoughts is, Joy really fucking pushed that down, didn't she? She really didn't want to say what, what she really felt. You know, she couldn't really say that shit on TV. That means, you know, I'm going to say it. What the fuck is wrong with America? Are you fucking kidding me? You didn't see this shit coming? Either you care about democracy or you don't, America. I'm going to keep saying that. Now, Joy Reid, she's get paid to bring it up. But Fox News been lying to people for over 20 years. Why the fuck do you think they designed that network for? To be fair and balanced? They believe in fucking Santa Claus, for God's sake. They lie to their children about how great America is. Southern pride, Southern heritage. Seek Heil. And America turned the other, looked the other way. That's why I say it's the rich. It's the same game, it's just a different time. See, the rich don't give a fuck. You can go back and study Reconstruction. Man, fuck, man, the northern rich man was like, fuck this shit. You know what? Fuck this. Let's write some 13th shit in the 13th Amendment and call that shit in the day. And the southern white man had the freedom to fuck black people over for another hundred years. That's why I say I don't think you care. You don't care if you lose your democracy. You didn't care. Your ancestors didn't care back then. And you don't care now. Because you feel it's not your rights being taken away. Now, we can sit here and argue over what happened on January the 6th. We know what the fuck happened. It was a fucking attempted overthrow of our democracy. And then, when that didn't work, no motherfuckers started changing laws in states. We know it's the Confederacy. And we know corporate America don't want to accept the truth. That's why they'd rather entertain you and say Joe Biden poll ratings is in the toilet. Oh, the reason everything is fucked up is because of Joe. So they know America's dumb enough to believe the bullshit. You're dumb enough to believe in America. You are. I'm going to finish playing Joy. I'm going to prove it to you. You've been taking mental health meds and your mom... Uh-oh. Mental health meds. Did you take them yet? Okay. I just want to know. I'll be right back with the show. Welcome back.
back to the cold show. Before I get this show started, I want to take a moment out of silence for those who lost their loved ones in Kentucky and the neighboring states. You know, we've been talking about climate change is real, man. It took a massive tornado to come through and destroy 250 miles. There's a lot of people out there who needs Joe Biden build back better plan. Now we have politicians out there playing games. I'm talking about Joe Manson. I don't know what side he's on. Be honest, I don't. But it's a lot happening in our country why people are still suffering and it's getting closer to the holiday season. We just lost 800,000 people total now from the virus that they're telling us. I'm talking about the COVID virus. White supremacy virus we still have to deal with. And I want to talk about that. Liz Cheney, um, she outed him. She outed the Republican Party. Something that we've been saying for a year or more about what's going on. Why did they want Donald Trump? Why would they put someone so stupid in the most powerful position in this country to take it? See, Mark Meadows, the, oh, the right-hand man to Trump, he's, um, he's exposed a lot of shit. So, <laughs> so they're waiting and they're debating. General, um, General Flynn is hiding. Um, Fox News is not even talking about it. So I caught up with my boy Larry and um, we was um, talking and I, and I said, man, before I do this podcast, I want to know your opinion. Is it me or is the media not taking this shit serious? I'll be right back with my boy Larry. When I say America's on its last legs, I mean it's on its last legs. Because some of our citizens never plan on sharing this country. They think it's their God-given right to the land. And they see us as as world sounds crazy doesn't it but see when you conquer land in the name of religion and you was looking for the promised land see their God told them that this is their promised land so they fighting us and they love they love God. They love their guns. Let me just show you how it got here. I found this documentary. Check this out.
2008. This was the night many people in the United States believed that our nation's long history of racial division had come to an end. We were entering what was optimistically called post-racial America. But in the decades since the American people elected the country's first black president, most of our nation's most complex social issues continue to revolve around race. Why is this such a stumbling block for us? What will it take for us to finally come together? Can the issues of race ever truly be overcome? Or is it just human nature to divide ourselves along racial lines? There are a lot of people who believe that racism is there, it's always going to be there, there's nothing you can do about it, you know, you are the race you are, blah, blah, blah. And I say, no, this is something we made up. Wait, what? This is something we made up. So if we made race up, what's the story? A closer look at history reveals that the story of race is a story of labor. Most of us were taught that North America was initially colonized by those seeking religious freedom. But in fact, most Europeans, including the pilgrims, came for land and economic opportunity. At that time, there was no concept of race as we know it. No one identified by the color of their skin, but by their country of origin. French, English, Dutch, Spanish. By the early 17th century, the colony's plantation economy was booming. This created a massive need for cheap labor, a need largely filled by poor European immigrants. Some landowners also used enslaved people from African nations, but at the time, an enslaved person's status was not lifelong. One could gain their freedom. However, in 1676, enslaved Africans joined with European indentured servants in a large rebellion against the colonial government in Virginia. Alarmed by the natural alliance between the indentured and enslaved, the ruling class passed a series of laws that segregated and permanently enslaved those of African descent while also giving their European counterparts new rights and status. This now you heard what she said, right? So <laughs> it's the rich, like I said. See how the poor Black, white, doesn't matter. They was poor. They didn't have race. They had ethnicity. If I pronounced that correctly. So if you're an Italian, you're an Italian. You're a Jew, you're a Jew. You're Anglo, Anglo, whatever. Black, black. But they couldn't have all of them rainbow and Hispanics and they all coming together. That's too much power. They'll lose control. That's why the Republican Party is willing to destroy this democracy. That's why they're so racist. She said it. They created that. Stay in power. divide and conquer strategy paved the way for what would become an organized system of racial chattel slavery and that was how you kept a system in place was and why you had white people who were poor not challenging the system because they were sold a bill of goods that somehow whiteness uh, was going to include them in all the benefits of society the first legal use of the term white appeared in 1691 in a document created by the colonial government of Virginia. 
used intentionally to differentiate people by the color of their skin rather than their nation of origin. In 1790, Thomas Jefferson put forth the first U.S. national census, which placed the population into the categories of free white males, free white females, and all other free persons. Enslaved black people were counted as well, but only as three-fifths of a person. Native Americans weren't counted at all. They see how that works. We was three-fifths of a person. Natives, they weren't even human beings. They were savages. We damn near half a savage. But we know how to obey our masters. So what I'm telling you, the struggle never stopped. It just got modernized. Now they went from old Southern Dixocrats, Democrats to conservative Republicans, fiscal conservatives, libertarians, nuts, cues. They stormed the Capitol. almost a year ago. They don't know what to do because they know who these people are. Their bloodlines go back to the founding. These two bloodlines is fighting each other and they teamed up with others like fascists overseas. See, the colonizers don't want the civilized, that the people they civilized to colonize them. They're afraid they're gonna lose power, so they're willing to overthrow, steal, lie, throw out balance, and disenfranchise us. They did it once, they did it twice, and they plan on doing it the fuck again. And at its first seating, Congress passed the Naturalization Act, which stated that only free whites could become United States citizens. You have to be white. That was the first thing they said. The very first thing. You have to be white. What humans have done is ascribe meaning and difference to skin colors and then use those meanings um, to create hierarchies. And so when we say race is socially constructed, it's about the ways in which humans have created hierarchies um, related to racial difference. The construct of race as a way to assign value to human beings became woven into the structures of this new nation with white people valued above all others. This ideology has been upheld and reinforced throughout our country's history, continually seeking legitimization through pseudoscience, civil policy, and bad theology, all examined through a white lens. White supremacy is the idea that not only is it great to be white, but it's better than anybody else. It's better than any other color. It is the best. Now, remember Richard Spencer um, when they went down into Charlottesville, Virginia and act a fool? And now he got to come up with $25 million. Um, they felt pretty comfortable coming back out. 
You know, the way they talk like you beneath me kind of thing. I'm an Aryan. And we see what Aryans, <laughs> what they can do. Remember World War II? Well, they got back at the United States. See, we forgot they was here too. So they got richer, smarter, more richer and smarter. And here come Roger Stone, Rufer Murdoch, Roger Hale. Wow. Lindsey Graham. Mitchell Connell. They're not patriots. Not to the United States. Not their, their version of the United States is like this. The way that white folks do things, the way that white folks think, the way that white folks do church, the way that white folks write and talk about God, it's better than anybody else. As a person of color, I notice this when I walk into denominational headquarters or I walk into seminaries and Christian colleges. And I look at all the important people of that denomination, and they're old white men. And it's telling me that for the history of this denomination, for the history of this Christian college or university, they believe that the only important people to put up on the walls are old white men. That implicitly is affirming or asserting white superiority. Whiteness became a culture in and of itself to be defended at all costs. In the 19th century, Chinese immigrants became another target of racially biased policies. And because there was this fear that these Chinese laborers were stealing good white men jobs, as if those jobs belonged to them, um, this sentiment kind of emerged and swelled and ultimately led to the Chinese Exclusionary Act. The one and only time we excluded an entire group of people from being able to immigrate into our country just based off their ethnicity. The Exclusionary Act starts as a 10-year act, but it ultimately is extended for 60 years. European immigrants, such as the Irish, Italians, and Germans, were also initially viewed as a threat and were often persecuted. But they had one distinct advantage. They were light-skinned. So, over time, by stripping away or hiding their ethnic heritage, eventually they could assimilate and become white. The United States has been referred to as the melting pot, a metaphor for the fusion of nationalities, cultures, and ethnicities. I've never really liked the term melting pot um, because it just it just means that it's going to become one thing. And so who decides what the one thing is? When you're the minority, that means that everything of yours is lost. It seems the metaphor of the melting pot, in truth, is a push for white homogeny rather than an embrace of diversity. My own children are way lighter skinned than I am. And what's happened, I think, even with uh, my children is that our celebrations and our language are slowly dissipating and disappearing. And I wonder what my grandchildren will be like. Um, they'll be, and I, I keep thinking they'll be the next white generation. Today, the concept of race and the structures that hold up whiteness as the norm have become so embedded in our culture that it's extraordinarily difficult for most white people to see the ways they influence life in this country. Because being white is what's normal, and it's normal for everybody. It's just what it means to be human. We don't think of it in racial terms. And so my question has always been like, what is white culture? Let's talk about that.
um, and that's hard to define because really what they might be alluding to is uh, white supremacy. We don't see the advantages and we usually only recognize it when we are with persons of color and they get treated differently than us. What we think is as normal is really an advantage. And the advantages are often stark. A 2016 national study of household wealth found that the median net worth of white families was eight times higher than that of Hispanic families and 10 times higher than that of black families. Another 2016 study revealed that black, Hispanic, and Native American children are more than twice as likely as white children to be living in low-income homes. When we focus on what makes us quote, the same, it denies the fact that our lives are not the same. And we live in different worlds with different realities. And so when we uh, focus on the things that make us the same and we can't agree on humanity. I think what we have done with race is evil. I mean, I'm of the belief that uh, difference is not evil. You and I did not start the system of race and white supremacy. But if we do not actively work at uncovering our own inherent bias and tearing down the system, we are guilty still of supporting it. We need to recognize that we do live in a society that is oppressive to people of color and has a long history of, of white supremacy. This has always been who America is. The dissolution of the American exceptionalism dream. We're, we're realizing sort of in our collective consciousness that we're no better than any empire that's ever come before. And that's the God-given truth. It's always been America, always been a white supremacy party, country. I'll be back with the rest of Critical Race Theory.
next.